Welcome to the Project Future podcast for people looking to launch and build their own amazing business with me, Rob Kerr. A few years ago, I asked myself, how can people considering starting a business be confident they are making the right decision and how can they improve their chances of success? The answer has become my book titled Project Future, Six Steps to Success as Your Own Boss. A Facebook group called the Project Future Club, where we support each other to launch and build our own amazing businesses. And this podcast, where every Tuesday, a business owner shares their story, including great tips about what to do and what not to do when launching or growing a business to empower you to make better decisions on your own journey. You'll find the show notes and transcripts at robker.co.uk. So in these uncertain times, if starting a business could be the right option for you and your family, read the book, join the Facebook group and enjoy the show. Now let's move on to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to episode five of the Project Future podcast. Today I'm joined by Martin Smith, founder of remotefixer.co.uk. I came across Martin as a customer looking to get my thermostat remote control fixed and was instantly attracted to his business. He's got great clear branding, a really strong customer proposition which makes it easy to say yes and the focus he's put on social media by uploading reports and recording videos of every transaction really helps build depth to his business. This has resulted in some really unexpected custom. Martin's built a business that works for him and his family, but it wasn't always that way. His earlier business linked to his passion for magic ultimately failed, despite Martin giving it everything, which leads to his best advice, not to get too emotionally attached to your business. Let's have a listen. Martin, hello. Great to have you here today. Hello. Thank you for having me. No, it's a pleasure. And uh, I say we've been we've been chatting offline, and uh, I think it's it's fascinating your your business. And when I first came came up and and found it when I needed my remote control fixed, it's I, I love the way that you've you've set up the business and how you've how you've made it really easy to to make the customer say yes. I think that's that's the thing that most excited me about it. So I, I'd love to hear a bit about your background, about where you where you started and and how you got to, to where you are today. Basically, I used to be, back in the day, many, many years ago, I used to be a TV engineer, which uh, was where I started with the electronic side of things. But uh, unfortunately, the property that we're working in closed down because it was no longer viable to uh, repair things such as TVs because people were going out to the local supermarket and buying um, buying a new television when they go and buy a bag of spuds so it wasn't viable to fix uh, large items and we turned into a throwaway society so um, I basically took a change in career um, went to university learned web development stuff like that and then um, was working for a web development company, which um, just really didn't cut it. It wasn't really an exciting position for me. And because I'd learned the skills of web development, I decided to actually have a go at seeing if I could um, start my own business, which um, which I did in 2004, I believe. Yeah, it was totally different from what I'm doing now, which is basically uh, a, a magic company selling magic tricks to professional magicians. So I set up a website and... Um, I started getting uh, items imported from America and reselling them over here, which uh, was actually quite profitable for a few years up until 2008 when the crash happened um, and the dollar pound ratio was really poor. My profit started dwindling, uh, but I kept that business going and going and going. And unfortunately, it built up quite a bit of debt. Um, 
So at some point I decided I've got to do something else. I've got to try and actually get my way out of this debt. So I figured I used to do repair work. I used to um, um, fix things like televisions and stuff like that. So I thought, well, why not try and do some kind of repair, but a mail order repair system where basically the postman does the legwork, drops the item off at me, if I repair it, then send it out to the customer. Um, so I created Remote Fixer, <clears throat> which was... Um, actually the business that I still run now, which is uh, going from strength to strength at the moment, which is good. Um, basically whereby customers, they uh, go to the website, they um, uh, book their item in, uh, fill in a very simple booking form out, uh, send their item off to us, everything is fixed price. So um, if I can repair it, it's fixed price. And if I can't repair it, the only thing they would pay is the return postage, uh, again, which is fixed price. So there's no hidden secrets, there's no nasty surprises. And uh, yeah, basically, that's where I am today is uh, now just running the remote fix of the remote control repair company. And I've obviously got rid of the, the magic side of it, which was just, yep. uh, as I say, bleeding my wallet dry. Yeah, absolutely. And it's 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 a challenge, isn't it? I, th I think, you know, when you've you've set up a business and uh, I say magic um, is a hobby for you, uh, a, a, a passion. And when you've had that initial success, um, it must have been a real challenge to, you know, to stop and to make that decision to to move away from it. Well, yeah, it was. Um, the main problem was it was um, it was very difficult to let go of it. It's something that I'd built up over the years, and I, I thought I, it's, I've got to make it work. So I was constantly trying to uh, improve it, change the domain name of the website, make it a brand new website, and the constant um, updates I was doing were doing a little bit of help, but then overall it was dwindling and the profits were going down and down and the problem is it's it's very difficult to actually put a halt on it, it, it to wake up one morning and say i've got to stop this uh, i've got to get rid of that business before i end up losing the property I end up losing the house and everything yep. uh, that was the hardest decision i've ever made was um was actually getting rid of one business but luckily as i say before i did that i built up remote fixer enough so that it would make me a little bit of money so that once i actually cut off ties with the uh, world of magic remote fixer would um continue to um pay some bills basically so in in itself there to have you know to have the uh the the, the foresight and to to de-risk the, the the situation that you know where you were having a business that was was not not going well to then not invest all of your energy into that and to, to find an alternative how long was that period that you you had the two businesses and you know how, when was the cutover point where you you realized that remote fixer was the one that had the future um well it was i think it was back in 2012 when i actually i, I always had remote fixer um which it's tied on to something that i did in university which is i created this thing called repair helper where basically it's a database of fault tips for technicians okay. but that was something else so i always had remote fixer i had the domain name and i had the website but it never really did anything because i didn't kind of publicize it properly i just basically put a quick website up and put it on um, so I always had that even back in 2004 when I started at World of Magic. But um, I think it's about 2012 I decided it's it's getting too much. So that I, I actually started redeveloping uh, the Remote Fixer website and um, building up basically a, a kind of, not following, but a, um, a social um, media presence even back in 2012. 
and through that slowly I started getting more and more repairs and then by about 2013 2014 that was when I got to a point where I could say right the remotes are now uh, in the lead let's get rid of the one that's costing me money which was the magic so about 2014 was the big turning point for the uh, for the remote fixer uh, business and then that became the forefront and now it's the only thing that I actually do is uh, the remote fixer and the social media side there I think that's that's early you know you 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 had that that's very common now that the people use various social media platforms for uh, for marketing and and to, to to show examples of their work um, in in various kind of fields to help encourage customers um, effectively but you were almost a pioneer in that respect there wasn't a huge amount of that happening well yeah I mean it wasn't um it wasn't until a few years later when I actually created my business page on Facebook. But uh, before that, it was things like um, there was things like hi-fi groups uh, for people who do repair work on their own hi-fi systems, stuff like that. But they generally don't do work on their own remote controls. They'll fix a hi-fi, but they won't fix the remote controls. So it's kind of like pushing my service to those people, to those forums that um, it was the early days is basically saying, oh, if you've got a remote, send it to me, I'll have a look at it for you. And it was kind of that putting the feelers out to different groups and then they would put the, my uh, my name out to other people. So that kind of built it up through forums and stuff like that and uh, on Facebook uh, pages. But it wasn't until about, I think, 2014, 15, since that I actually got my own remote fixer um, group, basically. Now, that's a really interesting point. And I think before we go on to, to, to speak about your, your group and your business page there, I, I think using the the other forums to look at comparable businesses and businesses that, you know, and interest groups and what, whatever it may be that, that may offer a, a similar product or service but not the same as as yours and be able to find a niche if you like or or, or just you know and, and offer something that they might may find of interest it's a fascinating angle and one that's growing all the time because you know facebook and and the other platforms instagram especially you know are becoming a lot more mature now in, in terms of their their depth uh, but there are still opportunities these things aren't aren't stable they're not closed shops if you like there there is still opportunities there for people to to offer their own solutions and and, and gain a presence in those places would you agree yeah yeah indeed and um I think with, um, say, Facebook, for example, there's a, there's a new range of um, services that they offer, like there's the Facebook business suite. Um, I think people coming along these days, you could actually start up your own business without needing your own website. You could do it through Facebook, which is very interesting. It's something that's literally only just come out recently. Um, but you could sell products on, on Facebook. You could set up PayPal payments through Facebook. You could literally start your own business within facebook and because facebook has millions and millions and millions of um visitors daily it's it's a very good starting point i mean if i was starting now i think i probably wouldn't do the website i would have done gone straight onto facebook um, because everything is there that you need um i think i mean it it seems to be a good system i mean uh, i haven't tested the waters with it yet i do have obviously my facebook business page which does actually get me a bit a fair bit of uh, custom um but primarily for me it's the website that's doing all the business but i think um for people starting out on facebook businesses uh, facebook's business suite does seem like a very um interesting item that they're offered or service that they're offering i should say and and on that point i, I think you know it's it's not always 
everything doesn't need to be done at once uh, for for some people. So if if someone's going to start small, then there's the option to to either use the the Facebook Business Suite, as you say, or to if they're a freelancer, to to use something like uh, like Fiverr or or People Per Hour or one of those one of those tools, um, and and not necessarily have to invest um, a huge amount of money time in putting a website together and certainly not a detailed website together that has you know a shop associated with it and all that kind of thing because it, it is still still tricky you know I, I, I've updated my website recently and it, it takes a lot of time and I'm, I'm still not 100% happy with it you know yeah, and that was yeah. that was that was the thing that really you know sort of took me you know encouraged me to uh, to, to seek your services um, was the, the the quality of your website? You know, it was it was so simple. It was really focused on the the user journey. Um, so any questions you may have as a as a customer, they were answered. Um, and you know, and it was you made it so easy for the customer to say yes with the sort of test the test the service, pay later. So yeah, yeah. looking looking at that angle, you know, it's like my my remote when I sent it over to you couldn't be couldn't be repaired. Um, unfortunately, and I, I know from the you know the detailed summary that you, you you shared with me, you know, when when we first spoke, that you you put a lot of effort into that. So how does how does the model work when you you know you you have some somebody like me uh, as a customer who you've probably spent a good hour working on their products and aren't able to then recoup a fee at, at the end of it. So how does that work, and and how does that relate to to the other the other remotes and and the other things that you that you fix? Well, it's it's basically um, kind of a law of averages because we do have a high success rate on on repairs, which means the majority of them we can repair, and we do actually make. Um, uh, obviously, each one is fixed price. So yep. when there's an item that comes along that can't be repaired, then we will spend time on it. We will try and do what we can. If we can't, uh, we still spend time creating a web page with the write-up of what we've done and all that. So it is quite a lengthy thing. Uh, but then the next remote that comes along might take me 10 minutes to repair. Okay. Uh, and again, with it being a fixed price, that price uh, cost averages out um because we do have the high success rate that is how we can do it because we spend time on every single remote control that comes in um and basically some of them we can't do the majority we can and uh, with it being a uh, fixed price system and uh, it's also a no fix no fee system so if we couldn't repair something we don't get charged uh, that actually allows people to say well i may as well give them a go because yep. what have i got to lose um so uh, that's why on the website we do have, as I say, um, the no fix, no fee policy. So people send it to us. If we can repair it, it's fixed price, uh, fixed price plus postage. If we can't repair it, then it's just a return postage. Or if they didn't want it back, we just bin it and they wouldn't get charged at all. So it is literally um, a, a, a no fix, no fee system for the customer, which gives them that ease of mind and the confidence of saying, may as well give it a go, basically. Uh, that's bottom line of the model is is to make people comfortable in sending things into us and it certainly did for for me i say going through that user journey you know i i absolutely went through it exactly as you've articulated there i you know we were i was i was recommended to you uh by my stepdad actually and you know he'd, he'd found some some examples of your of your social media videos he'd seen a post um where you'd printed a write-up of a job that was identical um to, to to mine in terms of the same products the same problem uh so we'd found you and thought okay remote fixer can can fix it 
So, and then when I looked into it, I still wasn't sure. I thought, well, we've had it, we've had it six, seven years. We may, may as well go and get a new one. Um, it's, it, it will break. But then when you read through it and it's, and there's, and the other interesting thing, you say no fix, no fee, but there's also no fee up front, is there? So the payment no, is no, done. No. Pay, payment is when you've, when you fixed it. So as, as a customer, all you do initially is post it yourself and let, you know, let you have a go effectively. Exactly. I mean, we don't take any payment details from basically for my own peace of mind as well for the security uh, where I don't want to take people's payment details and yep. store them. So I, I don't want that risk. So uh, as I say, once we've looked at something, that's when we contact the customer and they can pay by their own chosen method, whichever is more secure for them. But yeah, it's uh, no upfront fees. So at the end of the day, you wouldn't get charged anything at all if we couldn't repair it. And less admin for you. Well, yeah, you don't have to, you don't have to do refunds and things like that. It's you know it's, you either exactly. get money in money in with happy customers or happy customers that have you know given it a go rather than binned it and bought something new to replace it. So indeed. So in in terms of your of your customer base, so your you you mentioned it's all it's all done by post. So you you the things come into you and they go out. But where where are your customers based? Are they in the local area or you know how how does it work? Uh, well, ironically, it's not just a local area. It did start out local, but now um, the business seems to be growing. And I think it's more to do with the social media side of things. It seems to be pushing me in different countries. For example, I had one from uh, Japan uh, last week. and Oh, wow. Um, Belgium, Canada, America, uh, France, Spain, basically worldwide. It, it's bizarre how it's actually grown um, because it's not too many uh, repair companies dealing with just remote controls because i'll be honest it's not a very high profitable business it's not something i i've i've reserved myself to the fact that i'm not going to be a millionaire from it so that's that's fine um but i'm happy paying the bills which is good but it seems there's not many people doing it and i think through facebook because every job that i do i do things like testing video showing it working so the customer can have the confidence in knowing that it's working before they even pay for it um but i post that video up to things like facebook um and i think via facebook it seems to be that they are um, finding me via Facebook in all the different countries um, and also my own website as well. And I'm, I'm getting them from all over the world. And it's bizarre that, uh, like I say, I was very surprised when I get things from like Japan and you think, is there nobody in Japan that could uh, do this <laughs> locally? I mean, that they feel that they have to send it all the way around the world. It's crazy, but uh, that's the way it is. The postage um, adds up. You've got customs fees from some countries mm-hmm. and all that exactly. kind of thing as well. So it all adds up. So it shows the value of the of the model and the confidence that you must instill in people by you know, having that that level of detail in terms of the the, the write ups and the and the posts that you do. It, it's also a reviewing system as well because um, I have good feedback on things like Yell and stuff like that. And I think that getting reviews off customers is another way of actually stealing confidence with other customers. Um, yep. So, I mean, there are five stars across the board on things like Yell and Yelp and, uh, and that kind of thing and recommendations via Facebook and Google as well. So I think that all adds up. That is a very important part of the business is getting people's feedback and putting that feedback back out there so other people can see other customers' feedback. I think that's a very important part of it absolutely no it's it's, it's really an int- interesting model and and i think it's the way that the world is, is is going where we're becoming more more and more digital um and it's more and more about confidence and, and kind of trust in in suppliers um all of those kind of things that you're putting out there it's they are they are touch points where people can 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 see your work and and have have that trust in you so it's it's, it's fascinating 
So going, going back a bit, you said you started with TV remote controls. What, what else do you, do you cover? Because mine wasn't a TV remote control. Mine was a thermostat. Um, so what, what else do you, do you cover? Well, I, ironically, I actually really get television remote controls these days um, okay. because TV remotes are cheap to purchase, as I say. But uh, I get all sorts of remotes for things, um, say things like garage doors, uh, invalidity beds. I've even had remote controls for toilets, believe it or not. Um, uh, loft ladders, all sorts of things. Anything that really is classed as a remote functioning device people have sent to me i've had all sorts of weird and wonderful things i've even had people send me uh children's toys that have had sentimental value that um as long as the postman gets it through the door i think um i think we'll probably have a look at it but uh yeah, it's bizarre <laughs> how the how the business is diverged from being a remote control for tv repair company and now i fix almost all sorts of remote controls um and really tv remotes which is weird and and that's that diversification that you mentioned there, going into into toys and such things, you know that that may well continue. I, I dare say in the in in the years to come, I, I say well we've got voice control and voice activation and things. The the more traditional or, or a cheaper kind of more throwaway aspects are, are likely to tail off. Yeah, well, you see, this is the thing about uh, remote controls. I mean, I remember seeing a news article in back in two thousand and. 10 2011 something like that saying that remote controls are dead there is no future in remote controls and in a way okay. it's, it's true because the things like siri and uh, alexa and voice commands now you, instead of using a remote control to turn your lights on you can just say siri turn the lights on or whatever but um i think there are a lot of things that um siri and alexa don't touch like children's toys and stuff like that yeah. um or things like fireplace remote controls um eventually maybe fireplace remote controls will go over to alexa and siri um but i think what i've got to do in my business sense is keep um keep evolving um there's always going to be things that have batteries in them that are going to be in need of repair when batteries leak in them and things like that so i've got to basically keep evolving and keep updating my workload um or to a broader range or broader sense but again as long as it fits through the door uh through the letterbox or as long as the postman can knock on the door and deliver it then we'll have a look at it <laughs> uh, i think the way it's got to be basically yeah, that's fantastic, and I, I think with the you know the digitalization, uh, if I can say, of of the home, there's going to be no shortage of these things, and the things like uh, the the children's toys. That's that that's only just starting. You know, I, I think there's there's more to come on that. We got a we got a robot from the Natural History Museum not too long ago, and it it took us it took us half a day to get into it uh, to put the batteries in. So uh, I don't I don't look <laughs> I don't look forward to taking the batteries out. <laughs> as and when it needs fixing so no that's that's absolutely fantastic and and i think there's there, there's there's so much that you've 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 kind of got there and uh, i think some of the some of the aspects like the toys and things yes it's been customer led but uh, the customers have have been led you know down that down that route because um they're they're confident that they've seen the other videos and have had that idea so i, th I think there's another interesting angle that you know that this this kind of how the business is driven forwards will partly be customer led and then partly be how you then react to that to 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 say okay is 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 this a route that we want to go down or not 
Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. I mean, there is also, I mean, uh, I, I also remember there was a gentleman who was a, an accountant and he had a remote fixed by me. And then all of a sudden, um, about six months later, he sent a calculator, um, which was, right. I think, 40 or 50 years old. And it was a wow. restoration project. He basically had sentimental value with this calculator because it was the calculator he had from his day one of his job. Um, and he sent that off to me because he wanted to me to do a restoration job. And I thought that was very weird. But as soon as I put that up on the <laughs> website, I started getting other people saying, oh, can you restore this? So it doesn't have to be new things as well. Old um, old items it, it, that have sentimental value with people they seem to send them to me as well so it's there's so much diversification that i could go down but uh but yeah yep. it's, it's constantly evolving business let's put it that way and you've got the you've got the processes and systems set up to, to scale uh, as well in, in terms mm-hmm. of how you how you manage the process it's all it all seems very structured in terms of you know the what the the user journey and indeed you know your your business journey with with how you then move forwards and and you know post the post the reviews on the sites and and well allow people to post the reviews on the sites post the the the, the feedback um you know of how the job went with the job numbers um because say I, i'd found that job as I, as I mentioned earlier that was very similar um and was able to quote the job number back to you um so mm-hmm. for yeah. f- for you to then kind of articulate the problem um if, if customers do what i did and say that that's that's the problem um it saves a lot of the diagnosis in many respects doesn't it as well so it's it, it seems like you've yeah. set up a very a very a very sensible and, and, and process driven business yeah indeed indeed well thank you martin um it's 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 really fascinating to get an idea of of, of your business and how you've developed it and 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 grown it over what well, over 15 years or so really um and yeah, yeah. and and the opportunities to to, to come so where, where you know do you do you see it going is there the opportunity to to scale or to go to other markets or you know how how do you how do you see those those opportunities if if, if indeed they exist um well i think with with the advent of obviously getting a lot of remotes in from or a lot of items in from different countries i mean um maybe it's possible that a division of remote fixer could be set up in say japan or or america or canada or any of the other countries that seem to think they need to send it all the way to england um yep. so maybe it could be a branching out system whereby i could have an engineer over in america who could obviously uh, take care of the american market and so on and so forth so there, there's lots of ideas for branching out um but uh we'll see i think is the uh the way we're gonna have to see it <laughs> yeah and i think for, for for somebody considering starting you know afresh in this this field sort of u- utilizing and, and franchising if you like or, or or partnering you know with with the processes and the structures that you've set up you know that's that that's invaluable and it, it gives that it gives that leap um as does the initial you know having the brand there with the brand and all those reviews in place especially mm-hmm. when there are some in, in the local market so um so yeah if, if if you did decide to go down that route or somebody was interested you know in in a local geography and in, in becoming a partner then uh then yeah it sounds sounds as though there's there could certainly be opportunities there if, if that's the route you wanted to go down fingers crossed <laughs> <laughs> right well there's always four questions that i ask at the end of each episode to to try and really get a view of, of of how how different people see you know see these aspects of their business uh so let's move on to those now and uh the first one is what's the one piece of advice you would give to someone considering starting their own business um with me it probably would be 
it's a difficult one, you see, because my advice would be not to get too emotionally attached with something that's, um, that, say, for example, my magic site. Um, I should have got rid of it a lot earlier. I know that's kind of um, not the best answer. Um, no, it's a good answer. I should have seen one business failing a lot earlier than I did, but I was emotionally attached to it. I wanted it to continue. I wanted to obviously put more money into it, put more effort into it and try and get it out of the gutter. But it's, I should have stopped a lot, lot earlier than I did um, because I was just building up that debt and debt, and that should have been something that uh, that uh, I'd, I'd advise people to obviously just be very careful. If your business starts building up so much debt, then you've got to draw the line somewhere and not keep dragging it out and hoping for the best. Absolutely, no. That's that's a, that's a really poignant answer, and and I think it's um, it's, it's something that you know a lot of people if they've if they've had a business before um, and are listening to this, then I, I think it's it's something that people can really empathise with and, and and can understand, and and will be will be really useful if anybody is in that position now to know that something has to change. Um, you know, and and the, the decisions that have to be made before things get get worse. Um, so no, I think that's I think it's a very good answer. Okay, the second one is: What do you know now that you wish you knew when you started? That um, there is a future in electronic repair because when I started, I um, as I say, I was working as a TV engineer at a repair shop. Uh, repair shop. Um, but like I say, the whole world became a throwaway society where we just, instead of buying a new TV, they're throwing it away. I thought back then that that was the end of the repair business. Um, and I'd been doing it for about 10 years and I thought, well, that's it. That's my, that's my business finished. That's my trade finished. What am I going to do that? So I had to go back to university and learn a different trade. I wish I knew at the beginning that the repair trade wasn't dead and that, um, there is a future. You've just got to find out what items you can do what what things you can actually do within that trade so yeah i think i wish i knew at the beginning that i should have just carried on with the repair trade instead of believing the hype that the news was saying about the repair business is dead because it's a throwaway society because that's not the case no indeed and i think it's, it's a great point it, it really is that you know industries reinvent themselves they they change they adapt um they grow but they they really they rarely disappear entirely Mm-hmm. you know that there's there's always a route there's a there's a there's a, a variation on on a certain field and there's skills that can be reutilized in in a different way and and part of the the skill in that is really finding out you know where those opportunities are you know and how and how they will will be needed in in a few years time and and yeah the way that your your business has continued to diversify and, and grow and uh, say there's other areas that are potentially just coming online you know now things like the the electronic toys it's very much uh very much an industry that that, that isn't dead yeah indeed well let's hope so it stays like that yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it will if you look around my house i'm sure it will <laughs> um is there a resource you'd recommend for those at the very start of their journey at the start you do, i think the way that the world is at the moment it's obviously most of the business is going to be online and i think that you'd need to know basics of web development or, or basics of how to set up a website um purely because you want to have the control of what you're putting in front of your customers. So if you, for example, had somebody else doing a website and there was a, a change in your business system, you don't want to have to rely on somebody else all the time. Um, yep. So learn basics of how to change um, your website or change um, the message that you're putting out to people. So basics of web development um, and 
obviously uh, look into things like Facebook uh, business suite and stuff like that, um, just so that you have control about what people are seeing on your business, um, seeing about your website or seeing about what you've written out there. Um, don't leave it all up to somebody else. I think that's a really good point. And, and, and you know, these things are a lot more user-friendly now than they were four or five years ago. I'm not a techie. Um, I, I don't particularly enjoy that side of the business um, as well. But, you know, so many of these things have, have got a lot simpler. If people are worried about, um, you know, about kind of basic website development and things, there there are, are partners that you can, you can work with for a relatively low cost um, and then have control to kind of change text and, and kind of, Add add fields in a in a relatively simple way that I don't think was the case four or five years ago. I, I think these these things yeah. are a lot a lot more accessible now than they were. Yeah, there is a lot of like drag and drop systems, which is uh, yep. which is great. I mean, the reason is because you don't want to have something on your website and then somebody make a bad review because part of your website wasn't working. That kind of thing. But uh, yep. there is a lot of drag and drop systems. It's a lot easier to do things online these days. Um, you just basically got to make sure you do everything securely, properly, and yep. and yeah, and keep up to date with all of the all of the technologies to say uh, my server blew up last week if i didn't have uh, well yeah the week before my server basically went down it went a bit smoke um if i didn't have a backup every single day of everything then that could have been cataclysmic for my business um, yep. luckily i do have a backup so again it, it's keeping on top of technology keep everything safe secure back everything up and make sure you got the right information on your site and from your customers that's that's great and then the last question uh who would you recommend as guest on a future episode i'd probably say because of the repair business i'd probably say somebody like lewis rossman um if you don't know who lewis rossman is he's a guy who um owns a business in new york who um repairs things like apple Macs and ipads and i find it very interesting in the way that he is now um part of a movement of the uh, right to repair because uh, companies such as Apple don't want you to repair their products and they will not make uh, items available for repair to third-party repair companies. So it's putting a lot of people out of business. Uh, I'd like to hear how he started in business, back to his roots, how he started up in New York. Um, because I've, I've followed his uh, podcast, his, his YouTube channel, I should say, and um it's just like the, the price of his property and stuff like that is absolutely amazingly expensive in New York for a tiny little workshop. And yet he's repairing things like computers and making enough money to, to pay for his workshop. I, I don't know how he does it. I wish I knew. But uh, but yeah, he, it's a very interesting person about the uh, right to repair movement and stuff like that. So yeah, I think Lewis Rossman. It's a great angle, and uh, yeah, it's fascinating. I will, I will reach out and uh, and and ask. So let's watch this space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great. Well, thank you, Martin. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here today. Um, it's a fantastic business you have, and 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 real insight um, you've provided about you know your background, and hopefully some some great tips for, for for people going forward that they can apply in their own circumstances. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. It's fascinating hearing from Martin how, how his business journey's evolved and how he's moved away from the business that he really wanted to make a success whilst he had this other one, which has ultimately become his his business on the doorstep all the way through. You know, I, I think that's a really interesting angle and his candid advice for not going on too long and knowing to recognise that something isn't going to work will I'm sure be understood and shared by many of us. 
looking back on the overhead of logging the results of every fix that he makes, I, I think is brilliant. I really do. And the value that comes into that overhead can't be overstated for how it helps to, to grow the business. Google loves that, that new information, that real fresh information. And it helps his customers to to know that, okay, this is someone that can help me, which of course is how I first became aware of Martin in the first place. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. And until next time, continue launching and building those amazing businesses that give you satisfaction and balance.